Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. When, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my kids, and, and uh, Patsy probably remember me saying this more than one time, don't be influenced by your peers. Be peer pressure yourself. You apply the pressure. You apply the pressure. You be the man or woman of God that you're supposed to be. And don't let those around you influence you in the wrong direction. But know who you are. You know, leadership is nothing more, nothing less than influence. John Maxwell, the great leadership guru, says that all the time. He says that, you know, I think in every one of the books I've ever read of his, which are many, he always says that leadership is no, is no more Nothing more than influence. Nothing more, nothing less than influence. And that is so true because a person can't be forced to become a Christian any more than you can force a horse to drink, to drink water once you've led him to it. You know, you just can't do it. But you can lead a person to Christ. And this is more, more often a result of how you act around them that proves you're a true Christian rather than what you say to them about Christ. Paul understood that concept. He, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21, it says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may also have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in art. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that they should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer." Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the, the world to himself, not counting their trans, the trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And I want you to think about something for a minute. Paul says, I no longer regard man in the flesh. You see, Paul saw men being much more than just this body. When we look at people, how do we look at them? Do we see just a, a human form there? Oftentimes, we just look at somebody, and we're so concerned about their appearance and everything else without considering what's really going on on the inside of them because man is spirit, soul, and body. We are not just flesh. We are those other parts as well, and, and we are eternal beings, and that's what Paul was saying. He says, I don't look at man as just like he's just a man, but I look at him as being an eternal being, understanding that, you know, when, we were, when Christ was here in the flesh, now we regard him different. We see him as spirit, and we got to see people in the same way and understand that they have something inside of them that if 
without, apart from Christ, their spirit is dead. So it's your responsibility and mine to be ambassadors to them for the purpose of reconciliation, helping them to be reconnected, rejoined to God. That's, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's what God has put inside of us. Anybody want to know what your ministry is? Anybody ever ask? I have people all the time say, well, I don't know what my ministry is. Well, I'm going to help you out. Your ministry is as an ambassador. Your ministry, first of all, is an ambassador of Christ. You are a representative of his, having full authority to act on his stead, on his behalf. You have the same authority that he has. You have the same power that he has. You have the same spirit that he has living inside of you. So therefore, you are a bona fide ambassador for God. And your purpose as an ambassador is to bring reconciliation between God and man. Sin has broken our fellowship with God. And you and I are here with that purpose, with that ministry, to act in Christ's stead as an ambassador. What is an ambassador? Well, in the Greek word, it's the word presbyo. It means to be a senior, which, you know, I'm, I, I resemble that remark. In other words, we are called to act as a representative, be an ambassador, which is an authorized messenger or representative. We have ambassadors all over the world as the United States. They represent the United States, and they, they speak on behalf of this country in other countries. They work as a liaison between the countries to, to have that bridge of communication. And so they have full authority of this country to speak on behalf of the government of the United States. We, as believers, have full authority of God to speak on his behalf in representation of the kingdom of God and of the kingdom of heaven. We have that responsibility. Well, it's an awesome responsibility, isn't it? So therefore, knowing who we are, knowing that it is our ministry to reconcile people to God, what does it mean that we have the, reconcil- the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling men to God? Well, reconcile means to win over to friendliness, to make a friend of. You know, when, when we are living in sin and without being born again, we are in opposition to God. Friendship with the world is, makes us enmity with God. It puts us at odds with God. So it, we, are, we are to reconcile, to win over to friendliness, to cause to become amicable. To reconcile hostile persons, to compose or settle a quarrel or dispute, etc. To bring into agreement or harmony. You and I are here to help people find their way back to God and bring harmony between them and God. I thank God that, that somebody loved me enough to pray for me and to lead me to Christ. They led me to Christ. Now, what, what was it in them that led me to Christ? Well, first of all, I knew they loved me because they wouldn't leave me alone. They love me enough to stay after me and to pray for me, to have a concern for me because they were concerned for my soul. They saw me more than just as a person. They saw me as a person that had an eternal, that's an eternal being that without Christ I would be lost forever. And they knew that if I died in the state that I was in, that I would go to hell. That concerned them. That's love. They, could, they cared enough for me that they didn't care that I would stand toe-to-toe with them and curse them out and everything else they stayed after me because they wanted to win me over with friendliness to God. They wanted to, to reconcile me to God. And thank God they did. 
They brought me into agreement and harmony with God. You see, that's our ministry. That's our service, to bring people to harmony with him. So how do we do this? We do this by properly representing them to others. Now, we have an awesome responsibility because of who it is that we are representing. We're representing God, God Almighty. Now, that, that's, that's some pretty high cotton to have to walk in, isn't it? We represent the God of the universe. Now, we're not just representing the President of the United States. We're not representing some other foreign dignity. We are representing God himself. Now, as an ambassador of God, as an ambassador of Christ, Therefore, how should we act? Understanding this, Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Understanding that we can no longer walk in accordance to the things of this world. There's something about us that has to change. When we come to Christ, there has to be a change. If we are truly born again, there will be a change. How many would say amen to that? I mean, if, there's, if there hasn't been a change in your life since you said you were born again, you need to see and, and check, and just as, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you need to check and make sure you're in the faith, or chapter 13. Make sure you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you really are in the faith, because if we are, there is change that takes place inside of us. It is a visible change, because of what happens on the inside is going to be manifest on the outside. I remember one time going to a, a conference, and um, as, as we were at that conference, we were waiting to check into the hotel, and there was someone in front of me that was a Christian that I knew was a pastor, and he was giving the poor girl behind the desk what for. I felt really bad because, you know, he was representing the whole conference there, and he was just lamb blasting her and tell her what a sorry job she was doing, what a sorry job the hotel was doing, everything else. And to be honest with you, I was quite embarrassed because I'm standing there thinking, you know, we are ambassadors for Christ, and how does this represent Christ? How does this make not only him, but all of us look? The same can be said in, in a lot of different circles. If we are forever judgmental, always pointing the finger at people and everything else, Always, you know, picking, nitpicking at their faults and everything else. You know, that's what the devil does. Yeah, he's the, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's always pointing out our faults to us. That's what, a, that's what the accuser does. But as a child of God, we are to reconcile people to God. We're to make friends, help them make friends with God. If we think all the time that God is just out to judge us and condemn us and, and hold us under his thumb, that, that doesn't really, that's not proper representation of him, is it? Because God is a God of grace and mercy. We talked about that last week. And God loves us. God cares for us. But at the same time, because of his love, because of his mercy, once we accept that, then there is a change that takes place in of us, in us, not because of God's propensity for judgment, but because of his love and his mercy. It makes us want to honor him, makes us want to represent him properly because of who he is. If the love, if Paul said the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ constrains us, as it were. It holds us in check. When we understand how much God loves us, and if we have that same love in return for him, it, it, it makes us a different person. Would you agree? It really does. 
It changes us. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. What does light do? It exposes darkness. It dispels darkness. Light doesn't chase darkness away. Just the light, it comes on. And, and darkness flees. It just goes because light. Now, when we talk about light, we talk about light in, in two different ways. The visible light and what we see and knowledge as being light. You know, light, understanding, you know, how many have ever had the light come on? You know, revelation. It's like, all of a sudden you get it. The light comes on. It's like, wow, you know, I've thought about this all of my life. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden the light comes on. Whoop! Truth. The interest of thy word gives light, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, 130. So when the, when the light of God's word comes into our life, it illuminates. It chases away the darkness. Then we begin to understand. We begin to understand God a little bit more. And the more we understand him, the more we're able to represent him properly. Does that make sense? That's what God is trying to do. He says, if you are, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a light, a light a lamp, and put it under a peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our number one responsibility as an ambassador for Christ is to bring glory to him. Not to ourselves. What does it mean to bring glory? How many have ever sung the doxology? You know what the word dox comes from, don't you? The doxology. The, it's the glorification. The doxa. The, the glory. So when we sing, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We're giving glory to God. Praise him. All creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're giving glory to God. We're singing the, the glory of God. So when we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us of all sin, we learn then that we're, we are walking in the truth and the light of God's Word. We are ambassadors for God. We're shining forth his glory. We're showing forth the glory of God in our life. That should be our number one goal is to bring glory to him. That's what Jesus came. Jesus said, he said, I didn't come to bring glory to me, but I came to bring glory to the Father. He was a representation of God, and he wanted to bring glory to him in everything that he did. I think he did a pretty good job. You know, I mean, from everything I've read, I haven't seen any faults any way that Jesus did not bring glory to God. In that he suffered, he was willing to suffer, and Peter took note of that. And Peter said in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, and he said that he that has suffered is done with sin. He's finished. You know, when we walk in the light and we, we share in the fellowship of his sufferings, and Paul said, this is the apostle Paul writing, in Philippians chapter 3, and he makes this statement in verse 10. He says, and this is, this is Paul. I mean, come on now. This guy probably knew Jesus better than just about anybody in the New Testament. 
I mean, he just had a revelation of Jesus that was just so profound. And yet he says, oh, that I may know him. Oh, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. What? Paul is asking to know him and to be counted in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death in order that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Wow, Paul wants to know him? I thought he already did. I thought he already knew Jesus. And yet he's saying, I want to know Jesus in another way. I want to know him through the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be made conformable unto his death in order that I can celebrate the resurrection of life in the same way that he did. And he did. You see, when Paul died in 2 in second Timothy, he's, he's, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, he says, my time is now at hand. He, he knew that it wasn't going to be long. He's going to be going to the chopping block, not to kill a chicken either. Yeah, he was going to be laying down his life, and he knew it. He said, my time is at hand, but he said, I'm ready now to depart, for I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. You know, he says, and because of this, he said, I finished the race, and I got nothing else to do. He says, there's therefore laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He understood that, that as an ambassador of Christ, his life and all that he had, 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 had all the goals that he had set and everything else, he knew that it was coming to an end, that the culmination of his life was over with, and that he, he could say, I have fought a good fight and I've kept the faith. I finished the race. Now, that's a, that's a noble goal for all of us to have, isn't it? Paul is saying, I've been, an effective, I've been an effective ambassador for Jesus. I would say he did all right, wouldn't you? I mean, reading about everything that Paul did and all the places that he went and all the churches that he established and all the people that were healed under his ministry and all the demons that were cast out under his ministry and how he suffered in jail and prison and everything else for Jesus and he was beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and all of these things. And I would say he pretty much was made conformable to the death of Jesus and shared in the fellowship of his sufferings, wouldn't you? So, Paul was asking for more. He's like, bring it on. And you know, we should have the same attitude. We shouldn't be afraid. What, what can the devil do to us? What can anybody do to us? I will not fear what man can do to me. Why? Because God said he would always be with me. He would never leave me nor forsake me. Therefore, I will not fear what man can do to me. It doesn't matter. It's like one evangelist said, if they kill you, you'll go to heaven. If they hurt you, God will heal you. So what have we got to fear? We're ambassadors for Jesus. God is calling us to stand up, to be bold, to be strong in him. And to exemplify what it is to be a child of God. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies 
a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, I like to say sometimes when I go into restaurants and stuff, people will say, you know, we have this on the menu, we have that, and it's really good. I like to say to them, I don't believe you. And they look at me kind of funny. I said, I'm going to have to try it if I'm going to be a believer, right? You're going to have to prove it to me. The proof is in the pudding, right? And the same way it is with our life, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you really, really are serious about this thing, then get serious about it. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. What is holy and acceptable unto God? Everything. It's all or nothing with him. It's all or nothing. You know, God don't want part of what you have. He wants it all. He wants it all. It's just like the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. says, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus tell him? Go and sell some of what you got and give it to the poor. Is that what he said? He said, go and sell all you got. All you got. And, and he went away sad. He went away sad because he was rich. And he had a lot of wealth and stuff. But, you know, a lot of theologians believe that that same guy that walked away that day sad, later on, repented because in the book of Acts, chapter 4, and in the first part of chapter 5, we read about a man named Barnabas who had some land, and he sold all of the land that he had, and he brought the proceeds and laid them at the feet of the apostles. This same Barnabas is the same one that encouraged Paul and, and, and accompanied Paul on this missionary journey. And, you know, God used him mightily. And, and I'm sure that if that is the same Barnabas, if that's the same man that was the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he had that second opportunity, he said, I missed it the first time. I'm not going to miss it the next time around. So if I get an opportunity, I'm going to make good. And he did. Thank God for that. You know, God is the God of opportunities, first, second, third, fourth, fifth chances sometimes. But, you know, if we can grab on to the first chance, it's far better than waiting. If I have any regrets in my life, it's the regret that I did not follow Jesus earlier on. That I didn't completely sell out to him early on. Why did I have to be such a hard nut to crack? Why did I have to resist? You know, why didn't I just submit to the Lord? I don't understand all of those things. And I'm sure that in the grand scheme of things, sometimes I might figure it out. But right now, it just kind of it kind of messes with my mind to think that I waited so long. Why? Because following Jesus is the best thing ever happened to me. It's the greatest thing I've ever known, man. And, and Paul says, he says, uh, you know, present your bodies, uh, present yourself uh, to your bodies, a uh, living holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is a spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that good and acceptable and perfect will. And as you begin to change your thinking, start immediately to change your behavior. Begin to act the part of the person you'd like to become. Take action on your behavior. Too many people want to feel and then take action. You know what? This never works. Take action first. Take action upon what you know, not what you feel. 
You know, some of us, we, we wait and, and we, we, we're like, you know, I, I want to feel something. We walk by faith and not by sight. Paul, in Acts 26, he's acting as ambassador for Christ when he was taken before King Agrippa. He shares this story with the king of how Christ spoke to him on the road to Damascus. And he says, in verses 11 through 20, he says, And I punished them often to all the synagogues. I tried to force them to blaspheme and being, and being furiously enraged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest at midday, O king. I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who journeyed journey with me. And we, we had all fallen to, to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet for this purpose. I have appeared to you for what reason? To appoint you as a minister and a witness. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has touched your life for the same reason. To appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn away from the dominion of darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. That's our purpose. To share the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ with people so that they can, it will open their eyes and turn them from the dominion of darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance along with those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and then also Jerusalem and even throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate for repentance. Notice what he says. Performing deeds appropriate for repentance. Now, if we have repented, how will it show up in our lives? We'll no longer do the things we used to do. We'll turn and go another direction. We'll turn away from darkness toward light. We'll want to know more about God and less about the things of the world. We'll want to, to live our lives to bring glory to him and less to bring glory to ourselves. So repentance is the word metanoia. It means a change of mind and heart about God, implying sorrow for unbelief and sin and turning from them to God and obedience to the gospel. You see, Paul didn't mince words about how we should live. He, his message was simple. Repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Paul's message was so strong that it almost caused King Agrippa to be, become a believer. He says, Paul, you're a mad, you're a madman. He said, you almost, you almost um, caused me to become a believer. So we are influencers of those who need a consistent witness of what it means to be in Christ. We can lead people to Jesus with a message that is consistent with our Christian witness. We can't do it, though, without the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't live the Christian life effectively without it. That makes sense? Amen. Because if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. But if we walk in the flesh, then we will mess up all the time. 
That just makes sense, doesn't it? So we are influencers. You know, I, I know of Pentecostals, that is Pentecostals, that we have often been accused of overemphasis of tongues. Tongues are important, are important because they not only serve to be a witness to the non-believers when they hear a message that they don't know spoken by the Holy Spirit through a believer. Tongues are also very beneficial in our prayer language, and tongues are also the initial physical evidence that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But tongues are not the main evidence of a Spirit-filled life. If you believe that, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But the evidence of a Spirit-filled life is a life that is consistent in producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It'll show forth. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I like what it says in the NIV. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, you know, He's, this is how we can influence and lead others to Christ, by learning to walk by the Spirit and by being proper represents, representation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we are ambassadors of Christ. Wherever you go, whatever you do, always keep that thought in your mind. I don't just represent me. I am a representative of Jesus Christ. So whenever you're tempted to lash out at somebody, Are you tempted to become angry or harbor unforgiveness or any of those things? If you are, uh, if you are tempted to, to, to allow your flesh to begin to take control of your life, practice self-control. You know, if, if you are going through a situation in your life and it's causing you a lot of trouble in your life and everything, just remember that temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. What is temperance? Have you ever noticed that metal must be tempered if it can be sharpened and used as a blade? They use tempered steel. What does it mean? It means it's applied to the heat and made hot so that it becomes flexible. And and certain alloys are introduced into the metal so that it becomes flexible and you can sharpen it. It'll keep its edge. We need that. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm not talking about the, the giggles and the ha-has. I'm talking about the fire of God in our life that comes along sometimes when we are tested and tried. Where we have to stand on the authority of God's word. We have to know who we are. We have to believe God for things. And things don't come easy. That's temperance. So all of these things are fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know. That's how others know that the Holy Spirit is in our life because we produce these things. Just about, well, you know, anybody can fake tongues. Tongues are real. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and I believe that every believer, every spirit-filled believer will speak in tongues. And we need it for our prayer language. But you can speak in tongues and live like the devil. So that's not the main fruit. 
has nothing to do with fruit. I don't see it on the list there, do you? But the fruit of the Spirit is tongues. I see it in the gifts, but not in the fruit. And I know we need these things. We need the power of God in our life. But we are, first of all, ambassadors of Jesus. What was it said about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38? When Peter was describing Jesus to the people at the house of Cornelius, he said, I'm sure you've heard about Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's a pretty good indictment about your character and who you are, isn't it? So if we do the same thing, if we go about doing good and healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil, knowing then people will say, you know, God is with that person. If we go about and we are people that know how to control our tongue, if we're full of the love and the joy of the Holy Spirit, for the kingdom of God is not what you eat or what you drink, but is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If we have these things in our life, then we are properly representing Jesus. We're being ambassadors for Christ, and people will want to know who our king is. They will want to be associated with him. That makes sense. Amen. Well, that's about all I got for today. But you know, sometimes we have a message that just makes us want to shout. We just want to say hallelujah. We want to say amen. And sometimes we get those messages that we just want to say, oh my. God, you got some work to do in me. <laughs> and we are constantly. Under construction, God is constantly working in our lives. And the Word of God fashions us. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. We have to change the way that we think. And as we change the way we think, we change the way that we act. Amen? Knowledge precedes action. I've heard that said so many times. But it is so true. Once we know, then we act in accordance to who we are. So my instructions for you folks is to get into the Word of God. Get into the Word. Let the Word of God transform your thinking. Let it change who you are. Become that ambassador for Christ. Become that, that representative for Him that, that properly represents His character, who He is. Amen? Amen. I want to say this, and then I'll close. It's a sad indictment against the Christian community. That as many people are turned off by the actions of those who name the name of Jesus. As there are that are turned on by the actions of those who name the name of Christ. So if you're going to name the name of Christ, it's a good name. It's a great name. There is no other name greater than that name. It's said of Alexander the Great that he was examining some of his troops one day. And as he's walking down his troops and he's, they're standing in formation, he comes in front of a young man and he says, Young man, what is your name? Alexander. Your name is Alexander? Yes, 
your highness. Well, then if your name is Alexander, make sure you live up to that name. God says the same thing to us. Who are you? Are you Christian? Do you name the name of Christ? Then live up to that name. Properly represent that name. Live for that name. Even die for that name. He's worthy. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that there is no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. No other name above that name, Lord God, that, that we should all confess that Jesus is Lord. That we would bow our knee to him, to the name of Jesus. And we know, Lord, that a time is coming when everything that is named in heaven and earth and above and beneath will bow and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But, Lord, right now we choose to do that. Would you say this with me? Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I want you to add one word to that. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Do you know what that means? It means that he is your curios. That he is sovereign over everything you ever were, everything that you are, and everything that you will ever be. He is Lord over all of it. So that means that everything he's put into his, your hands belongs to him, and you have been called to steward it. Nothing belongs to you. Now, that, that is liberating because we understand that if anything is taken away, it's not ours, it's God's. But also, if anything is given, it takes away the greed because, and the idolatry because we understand that it, it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to him. But more importantly, understand this, that you are not your own that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, which is the temple. God has put his spirit within you, and you are a living, walking representative of God Most High. So represent him well. Represent him well. Wherever you go, whatever you do, be Jesus to somebody. Be just as loving, be just as kind, be just as giving as he is. Father, I just pray for each of us today, God. Lord, that we would exhibit the joy of the Lord, that we would exhibit the love of the Lord, that we would exhibit the kindness and the temperance and the meekness and the long-suffering. Lord, that we would represent the, represent the patience that we would represent all of these things, Lord, that you are in our own lives. If that's your prayer this morning, would you say amen? Father, You've been listening you. to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.